made this song. Welcome to Cheap Scares, the horror movie podcast that will go away for a time on that cosmic wind, but will return. I'm your host, Sybil Arnett, and this week with me is... Hi, uh, I'm David Schneider. I was considering just, like, starting, like, repeated guttural screams, <laughs> but I think I think my neighbors might actually complain. <laughs> And this week, to round out season one of the show, we are covering Panos Cosmatos's Mandy. Yep. Our uh, our commentary has been getting uh, gradually less and less coherent as we go on. So I guess if we're going to round this thing out, Mandy's a good choice. <laughs> I I just teased it for so long. It seemed like we had to. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's something. I, I, I'm not convinced it's a movie, but it's it's something. It is it, it is it is a a series of images uh, at twenty approximately twenty three point nine seven uh, frames per second, and many of those feature prominent actor Nicolas Cage. For what it's worth, if you think this verges on barely not a movie, you would hate the only other film Cosmatos did beyond the Black <laughs> Rainbow. Okay. Yeah, um I didn't hate I I didn't hate this or anything. It's baffling. I don't understand it. But did they did they, they it went for it. I'll I'll give them that. There was there was a goal. I don't know what it was, but <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah, they went they went all the way. It, it, I guess it the way I'd probably describe it is there there it's two short films followed by an album length music video it's just need to find the right cd to go with it uh according to the opening it's definitely a king crimson album it could very well be a king crimson album i'll be real i don't know if there's anything that is not improved by king crimson i am not particularly familiar with king crimson i I, I I believe the opening song was from them, right? Starless, yes. But um, yeah, 
I suppose with that, let's just dive right in, <laughs> unless you have any more preliminary or anything you found out about the film that you want to go into. No, I didn't. I didn't really look into it much. Uh, I I very deliberately was just like, okay, this has been hyped up enough. I just need to go in as as uh as fresh as possible, like a like a newborn baby. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> All right. So uh, we oh, I I do I do have one more thing. Well, let's call it two more things. Sorry. Okay. Uh, relating to how I watched the movie, so. I had I had previously had a Shutter subscri- subscription for uh I believe it was for Color Out of Space, mm-hmm. and uh, sometime shortly after that, uh, AMC Plus had a promotion that was like twenty one dollars for a year. I just looked at that and I was I was like, oh, well, it includes Shutter, so sure, I'll I'll get this. I'll cancel Shutter. Um, yeah. So it apparently it has all of just about every movie on Shutter. Not Mandy, turns out. Not that one. Of course not. So uh, I ended up ha- uh, renting it from Amazon. And I, of all the movies that we've watched, this is the only one where I think I actually wished I had the Blu-ray instead of watching it on a stream. Because some t- at some points it was, the compression just could not deal with all of the colors and everything happening on screen at once is just like almost impossible to tell what was going on for some scenes. I was watching like the HD version. <laughs> I imagine some of the finale under the church was hell. Yeah, I can only imagine how bad it was on Shutter because like color out of space was already a problem. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. I, I don't know. well you know i suppose technical difficulties for one host or another has been a theme ever since the prey that's true that's true you you, i i you i i still think you probably should have mentioned that you didn't have visuals for the last 15 minutes of the prey before we started i don't know i thought it was a great (laughs) a great reveal (laughs) (laughs) Flip a coin, I guess. <laughs> I still followed most of the plot. I was able to guess from the sound effects. Yes, the plot. Yes, that's what that movie had. A plot. Mm. Yeah, I got 50% less titty, I suppose. Mm, not even really. So, uh, Mandy begins with a short poem, uncredited. When I die, bury me deep. Lay two speakers at my feet. Wrap some headphones round my head and rock and roll me till I'm dead. It pretty much tells you the vibe they're going for here, and I would say succeeding at. Yep, it's a, like a like a little. It's sort of a lullaby-ish. Mm-hmm. But but not quite. <laughs> it's almost tame enough to sing to your kids. But then we kick off with. A pan over the woods as King Crimson's Starless plays us in for a few minutes. And we discover Nicolas Cage as Red Miller is a lumberjack. Mm. He's working through the day, and we end this montage with a helicopter picking the boys up from 
wherever they are out in the woods on the Shadow Mountains. Yep, wherever they are is a continuing theme of this movie. Um, and I, I, when he, when he is on the, uh, the helicopter, uh, one of one of his copter mates offers him a beer, and he's just like, no, 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 thank you. So he doesn't drink. This will change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, at his home, his partner Mandy Bloom is taking a hit of something and sketching. These two are incredible nerds, like just the prototypical prog rock metalhead couple. It's wonderful. You just see them engaging in every little thing that you would love. Yeah, it's 1983 in the story. So, like, I, I don't know, looking at Mandy's art, she should absolutely be getting into the uh, the fantasy novel cover business. And in, instead, she she works at uh, a convenience store. But she's got I, I don't know who did the actual art for the movie, but it is fantastic. The uh, drawings and paintings. Yeah, I'm unsure who did all of them. I know that a few things used through the background and around are the Frank Frazetta estate because it is credited. Mm. But he has been dead for a bit, so I know he had nothing to do with her sketches. Gotcha. He makes his way home, and they live in a cabin of an odd design. I I don't know where a lumberjack and a convenience store clerk got the money for this. Yeah, we. I guess don't... I guess it's 1983, so they'll they'll sell a house to anybody. You know, if you're enough of a lumberjack that we're helicoptering you in and out, you might just have some kind of a pay to you. That's true, and also he has some hobbies which we don't learn about until after things go sour. Yeah. This cabin, I don't want to say it seems unfinished, but it's just open in a lot of ways. I presume there's glass there. You can see pretty much every room from the outside. There's several. Um, the, the bedroom is just completely surrounded by glass. It's just a bed on the floor, and there are just glass walls just right there. Their living room has a massive panorama window that almost appears to not exist in some shots. And they eat meals on a tiny little uh, TV tray. Yep. It's just this is why why would why wouldn't we in in our gigantic luxurious estate? God, we gotta watch this cool movie. It's only filmed from a couple of angles outside, which does make me wonder if it's actually a finished set or anything. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Um, he, he tells a hilarious knock-knock joke when he arrives. Knock-knock. Who's there? Eric Estrada. Eric Estrada who? Eric Estrada from Chips. A gut buster, if I've ever heard one. She is high enough that she laughs, though. So the two of them just kind of have a conversation talking about hippie shit as psychedelic colors wash over them in bed. 
Yeah, they they just kind of hang out for the most part. I did not take down all of the discussion here. Some of it relates to what sounds like a rough past she had uh, with her father. But there's also oh, discussion. Oh yeah, that that uh, that that one just just kind of came in out of nowhere, and then it just left. Mm-hmm. This is uh, he he woke up and uh, the story was. Uh, did, did I tell you it's, it starts with, did I tell you about the starlings when I was a little kid or something? It, this is all paraphrased, but, uh, there were, there were, there were a lot of cute starlings around her neighborhood, but her dad hated them because they stole his cherries from his cherry tree. Mm-hmm. And then one day he showed up with a crowbar and a pillowcase where the kids were playing and, uh, taught them how to kill them. Yep. And uh, it's that's pretty fucked up. All the kids took a turn, and then he asks, uh, "Did you? Did you? T- or what did you do?" And there's this really, really long and convincing pause before she says she just watched it and ran away. Yeah, which oof. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weirdly it's it's just a completely weird, heavy conversation in the middle of not that. I think it's while they're just watching a stock sci-fi movie on the TV. Yeah. Um. the The other big conversation that I wrote down was uh they were talking about their favorite planets. Yes. She she likes Jupiter because of the big storm and that's badass. Uh, he likes Saturn. And then he changes his answer to he loves Galactus because it eats planets. Yes. Then I wrote woof woof woof. I don't remember why. But I'm sh- I'm sure he did something. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, an- another thing about Mandy here is uh, she dresses exclusively in oversized metal band tour T-shirts. Mm-hmm. It's nothing else. Well, I mean, she wears pants, but like, yeah. no other shirts. Yeah, red. Red has a very buttoned down you know you can see him as an extra in a scene in the woods vibe until things go sour the 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 pod people aesthetic yeah mandy (laughs) mandy stands out both between again her tops and she has these very distinctive but not overwhelming they give her character scarring on her face we don't find out how it came about. She kind of just sits weird in the scene. Like, she's always kind of, like, uh, completely curled up on a chair or just, like, hanging off stuff. Just a little, like, n- not quite like most people would, but she just, that's just, how, that's just how she is, and he loves her. Mm-hmm. And we spend uh, just a weekend or so watching them. They go out on the lake. Uh, there's images of fire between them. She's naked through some of this. And she walks around at dawn while he's sleeping, finds a stillborn deer, mourns it. It mostly looks like a deer. It was the best identification I could give it. It it resembles a deer. Mm-hmm. There. I, I was I wasn't sure if it was actually supposed to be a deer or if the movie was doing weird shit, which is entirely believable. 
Yeah, there's a lot of uh, puppet work in this at various times, so it could have just been something that somebody mocked up and pulled out of a different draft. There's a thing they do a couple of times. Once is during this section, um, he's having a dream where he's tending to a campfire and Mandy's in the water. And uh, she comes out and it zooms in on her face and like one of her eyes is really weird. It's sort of like a heterochromia thing, but one of her pupils is just gigantic. It does that a couple more times throughout the movie. I'm not sure exactly what or if it's supposed to represent. I know what the fire imagery is. I don't know about the face, but, you know, they do a few things with her face by the end. Mm hmm. Oh, this, this is a face-heavy movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so we, uh, we resume the plot as we see that she is reading a fantasy novel, Seeker of the Serpent's Eye. I did not take down any of the selections, but uh, it's about a mystic gem. We get two full pages of it in the movie, if you, if you want to know. It's... It is exactly what you think of when you think cheap-ass fantasy novel from the early 80s. Yeah. It is perfect. But she has got to go to work again, and so she starts walking into town down a forest path amidst a crimson fog, and then a van drives past. It's, uh, it's a real hippie Manson-style crew the man in the passenger seat who we will learn is jeremiah sand is asleep with sunglasses on but as they pass mandy he perks up and this is when we see the first of many very stylized title cards i guess technically the second we had the shadow mountains 1983 ad earlier yep but this is the children of the new dawn yeah they they uh it, it it didn't give like a an overview shot of everybody in the van. It just kind of kept on cutting to new people and then back to the scene and then back to other new people. I'm just like, how many people are in there? Yeah. It's like six, I think. <laughs> they just kept doing it. So, yes, it is uh, it's Jeremiah. There's Mother Marlena, uh, Brother Swan, Sister Lucy, mm -hmm. and then... The others, yeah. Who there? There's the 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 fat guy, the scraggly guy. Can't I can't remember anybody else. Yeah, the other two really just exist as extras, and I don't know if they even get lines. But uh, yeah, we see them at a motel room, and Jeremiah Sand, the leader of the children, has called in Mother Marlene one of only two women among them and the eldest by a mile, which is something that she loathes the passage of time. I had to look up to make sure it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Tilda Swinton again. It was not. <laughs> no, it is not. Although she would have fit right in with this cast of yeah. character actors. They, they could have played fraternal twins. Mm-hmm. And, um, Jeremiah is an insanely abusive dick in this scene because she comes closer and is just like, what, what can I do for you? What can you do, Jeremiah? Did I do something wrong? Everything you do is wrong. Oh, yeah, he's the he's awful. 
Yes. An absolute piece of shit. No, not a single redeeming element to him over the course of the film. It's kind of wild. But uh, yeah, he he is the Jim Jones-esque leader of this cult, and he holds himself out as the key to ascension. So when he's done with Mother Marlene, he just has her send in Brother Swan, who is basically his Clarence Boddicker. And Ned Dennehy as Brother Swan looks a lot like Kurtwood Smith. He tells her to shut up and go get Brother Swan. And then she says, OK, and he yells at her because she didn't shut up. He f- she yeah. failed one of his one of his two tasks. He's. Ugh. Yeah, we really Ugh. we can't list everything terrible he does because every <laughs> line out of his mouth is horrendous. But. Night nightmare human being. Yes. <laughs> Just if you ever wanted to know, how could you hate a hippie? This is how. We just go right off the deep end as Brother Swan comes in. He's like, yeah, Jeremiah, what can I do for you? Oh, (laughs) Swan is ready to do anything for him, period. Yeah. (laughs) End of sentence, no qualifications. But the movie just tips right over the edge from, oh, this is a nice, you know, wait, we don't know where this is going to. Jeremiah Sand asks the question, do you have the horn of a Braxis? <laughs> he does. And, and Brother Swan pulls out this pumice carved ocarina from his shirt and the room begins glowing green. <laughs> yep, yes, the 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 green t- seems to be uh, for them and a handful of other characters. And the red is for our main characters, Red and Mandy. And it this just continues to get more explicit as the movie goes on. Oh, yeah. But the plan is hatched between Sand and Swan. They're going to just offer up one of the lads to seal the deal. The porker. Yep. And Swan just thinks that's swell. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sure. We got We got bodies for ages. And so... His last command is send in Sister Lucia. But they will just refer to her as Lucy in the credits. Sand is, you know, kind of a shit that way. She is the youngest. She is clearly the favored. And uh, she seems new here. And uh, we don't we don't see what 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 happens after that. Cool. She she doesn't seem like super enthused about it. She's just. She's just like, yep, I'm here now. All right, sure. Yeah. She just kind of sits on the edge of the scenes and just goes, yeah. yeah okay, sure. Yeah. Sister Lucy wanted to get back at her parents and really regrets her choices, I think. So <laughs> we cut to the convenience store, the general store, whatever. We don't really see the town. We see oh, no. the motel. And we see this store and that's it. So, yeah, this movie has like a it it is a series of locations, but they are not really connected by anything. Ever. (laughs) Sometimes every now and then you see a road. uh, But it's just there. They're in the mountains. There's trees. And then it just kind of lets you fill in the blanks. 
Yeah, if you asked me to sketch a map of Red's journey through this, um, <laughs> uh, well, that uh, that's easy. Just uh, take like a like a sharpie and just put it in your fist, and then just start going <laughs> all over the paper. I was gonna say start huffing, but yours works too. I mean, you could do that too. It's it's not not mutually exclusive. Ah, <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, Mandy works at the local general store. It's a very low-tech operation. I don't know if we even see a register. She might just have a calculator and a cash box. Uh, at, at least it's a financial calculator. It's fancy. True. And Mother Marlene wanders in, starts uh, asking about, Oh, you, you live here? Oh, I like your t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Which she she does not. She does not like her T-shirt. <laughs> Mandy just wants to get back to reading her book because that's all she's doing before this woman came in. This is just about the only time we see Mandy interact normally with anybody other than Red. And she's not good at it at all. She's, uh, she's just completely all the way back in that shell. You can't even call it business-like, because there's very little professional about how she's handling this. Not at all, but, like, who else are they gonna staff the store with? She might even own it. We don't know. It's very possible. <laughs> there's... Yeah, don't don't ask for details about a lot of Bandy. Just enjoy the ride. Sure. Enjoy the colors. Mm-hmm. Mother Marlene just simply ends that conversation with, See you later. And uh, walks out. Did Mandy just like accidentally tells her exactly where she lives? Yeah. She's like, oh, no, I live around here. Don't down by the lake. Something like that. It's basically just like, just, hey, here's where to kidnap me. Yup. To be fair, how, how would she know? It's, it's weird and stupid. <laughs> how yeah. would she know that that's their plan? And again, it's, you know. Small town kindness, I guess. Sure. Mountain town kindness? I don't know. I'm I'm assuming Twin Peaks logic here. It might not not it might not even be a town. We don't really we don't see people other other than <laughs> this like like the the lumberers are I think the only people not involved in the situation that we see. Yeah, there's a there's a very conservation of caste going on here. So the 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 van of fun has arrived on the scene. Yep. Uh, with the the horn of Abraxas, which is it, it makes a really nice sound. I don't know. He he play he plays it, and uh, this goes this goes on for about a minute, and then he just goes back into the van and waits a long time. And while this is happening, one of the youths is just screwing around with the power windows and. Brother Swan is making the perfect uh why am I with you face. I'm I'm not going to tell him off. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell him off. I'm not going to stab him in the throat. And slowly the red rises and drums, which turn into ATV sounds. I don't even know what to make of these guys. <laughs> Well, well, I, I, I'll get into it more later once, uh, 
once once some more description is uh is given about them but they're weird i i i i i'm just calling them demons so there is actually a logical explanation for them in the story mhm <laughs> i you could say that <laughs> yeah they 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 took some bad drugs and now they're demons. Mm-hmm. The end. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll get to their origin story when it comes up in the plot. Right now, uh, four figures: one who is basically an ogre with spikes in their arms. Uh, one is just pinhead, but the whole body and they're like wooden skewers. Uh, one is masked in metal, and the last is oozing and wet. Oh, that's so squishy. Mm-hmm. Oh, this, this is the dampest villain. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's something. They're very unpleasant. But uh, Brother Swan just offers them a jar, and they all drink. And so, the deal is made. Blood for... Blood. More. And then we cut to the lovely couple at home watching some sci-fi on the television. I, 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 I couldn't identify the movie, but I swear I've seen that. Whatever they were watching on Mystery Science Theater. Uh, they identify them in the credits. One of them is a trauma film, and I don't know if it's in this scene or the earlier one where she discusses the Starling story. And the other, yes, was an MST3K film. Okay. So, uh, yeah, you know, they're just spending the night at home. They go to bed, and we see the four approach from the woods. In a, in a shot which looks exactly like the uh, European cover art for Resident Evil 4. Ha! <laughs> yeah, it kind of is those trees. It's just... There's a, there's a lot of things I look at and go, is that a video game reference? And they probably are. It's very possible given so many other things. This one might be a stretch, but there's definitely there's a few like like the the random pit in the floor that's uh just straight out of Silent Hill three. That one I'll have to bow to you on. <laughs> it's got a lot of pits like that. Gotcha. The uh, the entrance they make to the house is certainly something because they don't come in while they're awake. They wait until the two are in bed. And then we just start seeing strobe lights on and off, illuminating the room in bursts. Yeah, this, this is where the encoding really just started to fall apart. <laughs> Crackling <laughs> lightning. The 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 pulsing strobes really, whatever Amazon was doing, it could not handle that. Yeah, I would imagine. But eventually, uh, you see that Brother Swan and the boys have also come in with them, and suddenly some of the bikers pin the couple to the floor, staring at each other. And then this is when one of the bikers disappears, dragging the fat boy out as the sacrifice. Yep. Uh, this, uh, when, uh, I believe the fat, the fat boy was like leaning against the glass from the outside, which is why I'm saying it was saying it wasn't like all the way open or anything. That's fair. Yeah. 
it's it's a strange shot what with the jumps in time with the strobe anyway that's the last time we see ever see him yep blood for blood yep so when we resume in um normality mm, medium we're back to standard lights we have Mother Marlene, Sister Lucy, and Mandy in their kitchen. Just, you know, having a gal's chat. Hell yeah. Don't worry. The scary men are gone now. They got what they came for, and they're gone. Your man's okay, and he'll stay safe as long as you cooperate. He is not okay, by the way. Nope, but, you know, Mandy don't need to know that. I guess. And then, uh, mother, I, I, I don't recall their, them actually saying her name out loud. You're saying Marlene. I, I, my brain is just saying Marlena, but anyway, she just slaps Mandy in the face. She doesn't like that Jeremiah likes her so much. Yeah. Uh, Marlene, Marlena is definitely, uh, very, very insecure about her place in this organization now that Sister Lucy and especially Mandy are around. But don't worry, we have a solution for that. It's Turbo LSD. Yeah, just an <laughs> eyedropper full of the stuff. And now we start getting real weird with it because we follow up a dose of acid with pulling a, d a dose is uh maybe underselling how much <laughs> they just okay. poured on her it's a lot of eyedropper uh, but yes yes the the other part was perhaps more alarming yeah yeah the the acid is kind of the the lesser of the two things because then we pull out a big wasp that is still alive from a jar full of liquid which eventually is held with tweezers to sting Mandy. You say big, like it's a, a just a large wasp. No, this is like the size of a kitten. Yeah, it's uh, a tarantula hawk, according to some notes, which, you know, if you know wasps, congrats, you know how big that is. If you're not like me, uh, fist to kitten sized is a pretty good descriptor. It's got a stinger larger than some of the needles I've used. If I see a wasp that size, I am going to do my very best not to fuck with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going one shot, one kill. Otherwise, I'm getting out of there. <laughs> but uh, there is an effect that starts going through the scene where Mandy's scars just become more pronounced, just like a darker red. Everything gets a lot more red. Mm-hmm. And so the women all lead a very fucked up Mandy back into the living room the lights are unearthly the audio is screaming and Jeremiah is in a big ass bathrobe yep uh he he gives the worst apology I've ever heard which is uh he, he's like oh I'm sorry for doing all this to you but actually you know you really did want this in your soul so it's all good when I saw you on the road, you called out to me silently. <sighs> By the way, do you like my music? <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> All right. 
let's let's just lead into this because I have most of this transcribed. It's a buildup. Let's do it. All right. I so, I started transcribing one part of it, and I feel bad about it because it's very long. Yeah, I I took snippets from certain bits, but just uh, he demands that she look at him and asks what she sees, and all she says is, "I see the Reaper fast approaching." Can't ask questions like that from a drugged up metalhead. No, but that's actually symbolic. Pretty much every line she has in this film can be read as symbolic if you come back to it. I believe it. Yeah. So, uh, he he has one of them pull out a record with his face on it, and it's a folk rock record. <laughs> and it's I, it's it's so good, right? I love the line. Do you like the Carpenters? This is even better. Such a, such an indictment. God. <laughs> he, he might, he might be a little self-centered. He might have uh, a little bit of that, a little bit going on. I don't know. Yeah. And as it is put on, he starts just writhing and caressing himself through the robes to the sound of his own tunes. <laughs> All this because he could not get a record deal, but because Hollywood and the music industry did not want him, God told him, All of this is yours. Everything is yours, Jeremiah. All right, here's... <laughs> Let's just read what I wrote down, and you can uh, you can feel free to cut some of it if you want. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was at the bottom of the pit, screaming in the darkness, racked with unspeakable pain for having been denied all that was rightfully mine, this is his record deal, he graced me with his light, his hot, loving light. It flowed over me like the pulse of a timeless wave, a wave of pure heat, a main line of pure and total acceptance. And he talked to me, addressed me as a friend. He said to Jeremiah, they were wrong and you are right. So right. And he, he, he did not say this like this, by the way. It's all very intense. Um, and he blessed me with his holy kiss. He said, you are not separate from all that is. So all that is, is yours. And he gave me his deepest and warmest permission to go out into this world and take what is so very much mine. All of it mine. My wants, my needs, my pleasures. Um, this, this whole business, it starts with like an intense reverb on his voice, which sort of ends up fading away to nothing uh, as it goes on. And it keeps like switching between uh, in like the same shot. It just keeps switching between his face and Mandy's. He keeps like morphing a bit between them. Yeah. It's one single shot that is blending the pair of them. And sometimes you just see one feature. Sometimes you see his features on her head or, and it's just swapping bits back and forth and he does not stop this monologue the whole time it's he's they're they're riding the mandy slider on this one it is one of the wildest shots in this movie hands down especially <laughs> with all of the acid effects going on and her pupils dilated and 
when it finally stops, he just disrobes in front of her. Oh, he's still wearing the robe. It's just open now. Okay. Well, check me out. Yeah. And she starts speaking again and asks, you made this song? Yes, I did. And it's about you? Yes, it is. And she looks at him naked and she just starts laughing spitefully. I, if anything is going to be a clip at the start of this, this is one of my two <laughs> candidates. Uh, yeah, boy, that it, like it starts off kind of like a normal spiteful laugh and it, she just keeps keeps ramping it up. And this is like two minutes of ramping it up. So by the end, she's just like, ah, ah! oh, boy, that spiked. <laughs> All the spite you can get into it while you are high off your ass. It is ego destruction. (laughs) And he just starts yelling at everybody around her. He like starts making it it, it looks like he's jerking off right at her. Yeah. Angrily. But he's also screaming around the room. Don't look at me to the whole congregation. Well. I, I, I guess Mandy's not a special one anymore. Nope. And outside, we finally cut back to Red, who is tied up in barbed wire in his own yard, arms stretched above his head. He's fine, though. This whole next sequence. Oh, and he has a barbed wire gag in his, over, over his mouth. Yeah. yeah he, he can't close his mouth, but he's just got it right on his lips holding it open but he is just using his eyes and a little bit of his face to sell every emotion that he can and it's mostly rage yeah it's it's not like a lot of emotions really but it's a fair it's very intense ones so inside we have cut out of LSD world and Jeremiah is just in, I guess, their bedroom. And he's just talking to a mirror, talking to himself and pleading with his reflection. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. <sighs> and then it does. Mm-hmm. Don't don't ever doubt yourself. Yeah. Well, which I, that's not a lesson that he needs to learn, I think. Nope. So anyway, things just get real fucked up from here. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah, Swan, and Sister Lucy kind of begrudgingly head out to Red, and uh, they taunt him. They uh, they call his wife a whore, and uh, then uh, then it, he's like, "Okay, now Sister Lucy, come over here." I'll show you, I'll show you, Red, I'll show you what love is. And so Lucy just kind of looks at him and then just, again, just makes a face like, this is my life now. Yeah. Uh, She kneels in front of him and it's time to play Russian roulette. Show him how much you love me. He he pulls out a gun, he puts a bullet in it, spins it the whole business, hands her the gun. And she pulls the trigger, and it's nothing. Red is somehow even more furious at the sight of this. This has tipped him over the edge again. 
I, this is just like purely exploitative, like yeah. beyond that, really. And then Swan br brings out another, uh, another tainted artifact. The tainted blade of the pale knight straight from the abyssal lair. Okay, sure thing, Brother Swan. It also gets the green strobe, so it's definitely really evil. Yep. But Jeremiah has a line that I love because it is the ultimate summary of what a complete prick he is. <laughs> Do you know what Jesus's mistake was? He didn't offer a sacrifice in his stead, and he just shanks red with this obsidian blade. Yeah, that's what that's what you got to learn from the story of Jesus. Fuck everyone else. It's all about you. That that's what that's what those stories are like. I I, I wasn't really raised Christian, but I, that's the impression I got, right? Uh I nothing, nothing nothing about being kind to strangers or, well, there's a lot in the Bible, but I feel like the Jesus story is pretty straightforward. I you know I came up in the Catholicism, so this kind of actually tracks with that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure you can find. Uh, the the Bible is open enough. You can find anything. Yeah. You can find justification for literally anything in it. And many people do. Oh, yeah. So, um, there's, there's some more shit talking of Mandy from the two out here, but, uh, Swan is the one who leans in and says that the cleansing power of fire cannot be reasoned with. And at this point, Two of the unnamed brothers just come out with Mandy wrapped in a long sack hung up on. Well, we see we see the sack. It's it's heavily it, it is strongly implied what's inside. Yeah. Well, it's pretty much confirmed as soon as Swan tells us the darker the whore, the brighter the flame. Yeah. Yeah. Because they pour gasoline on this burlap. Uh, figure and ignite it and we the sound kind of goes out we don't we don't hear what we don't hear the actual sounds of this and we mostly see uh see a uh, zoom in on nicholas cage's face as he go goes between anger and grief back and forth yeah the only face in this crowd that is doing anything other than glee is Sister Lucy, who clearly does not want to be here. Yeah, the rest of them are having a great time. Yep. Which, yikes. Yeah. And right, if, so, yeah. So this, when, when I, I was watching, um, it was getting pretty late. I was looking looking at the clock, looking at the scene, and just, I was just like, well, if I'm going to stop, this is probably the place to do it. And I was 10,000% right, because after this, we have uh, fully descended into the Mandyverse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Greeted by, uh, by the gatekeeper, the Cheddar Goblin. <laughs> yes. So, for, for what it's worth... Uh, yeah, the the cult eventually steal some shit from the house, pack into their cars and leave. And Red is just sitting here, bloody, tied in barbed wire until the morning, at which point 
he has finally been cut and bled enough that he can Gerald's game his way out of this cuff on his wrist and free himself. And he crawls over to Mandy's ashes, still smoking, and they just turn to dust in the wind before him. But she does glow from beneath. We see the glow reflected on him in the dawn. Yeah, everything's going to be glowing from here on out. Yeah. Who ate all the macaroni and cheese? (laughs) He goes in and he's just caressing her shirt. Just one of them left on the floor. And then we look over to the Cheddar Goblin. (laughs) What is this? Uh, This is like a weird parody of uh, 80s kids TV er, commercials. Yep. And Cheddar Goblin just literally vomits macaroni and cheese everywhere. It's just like onto the children, into the bowl. And then he he rises from a sea of his own barf and glares at you. So and then yeah, do you want a fun fact about the Cheddar Goblin puppet? I would love a fun fact about the Cheddar Goblin. Elijah Wood walked off with the Cheddar Goblin puppet. He was one of the producers. I'd, sure, sure. <laughs> as as long as it's as long as somebody's taking good care of him. Elijah Wood and Daniel Noah gave some interviews about this film, and some of the stories they told were pretty amazing. And that one has <laughs> stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, I, I stole the Cheddar Goblin when we were done. It was too good to leave in a room. <laughs> And then it's time for an emergency broadcast, or, yeah, an EMS test. And it just beeps at him for, like, for a while while he uh, he lies down. And as he sleeps, uh, and from this point on, every time that he's unconscious, we transition to Heavy Metal, the movie. Yes. This first one is just Mandy. Is this rising up from the lake? Uh, ju- I just wrote watching a sunrise. It may have she may have been coming out of the lake. OK, the lake is the second one then. But yeah, she appears and then just decays before him. And he startles awake. And um, this bit, the bathroom scene. Oh, my God, their bathroom. Is, <laughs> it could not look more 70s is every uh, glowing orange from all directions. Shag carpet. Flower, flowers on the tiles, on the walls. A, a bottle of vodka in the cupboard. <laughs> yeah. And he, he chugs the vodka and starts using, like, using a bit of it to just clean his wounds between sips. Pouring it on open paint and... It is it is a completely full bottle of vodka, and by the end of the scene, it is gone. I, I, would, I would presume it was really water when they were filming, because, oh my god. Yeah. So, I've, when I saw this in a theater the first time, this is when he just starts caging out, as it has become known, mm-hmm. and just 
screaming and yelling like his, his emotions have finally turned back on and they are the worst and all he can do is scream but at first it's just ah, and people in the theater started laughing and then it turns into this long racking sob and like suddenly you had a whole audience who was just very unsure of what they were getting because this was <laughs> not what they had expected. And he's performing and he's just tearing between shots out of the bottle and rage and almost punching a wall and just head in hand sobbing and cleaning himself up and pain from the actual burning of his wounds. Just a torrent for the rest of this scene. It's wild. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think I like Nicolas Cage's acting much. Like, I, I understand the appeal, and especially when he just goes a hog wild, like he does for this movie. And it's, you know, he he has a goal and he has landed on it exactly. And it just, I, it's not, it's not for me. I think. I don't know of many actors who could land the whip turn between these without stuttering, though. Yeah. Sure. So eventually we wrap this up and he we just cut to the outside of a trailer. The trailer says to fuck off. Yes. And whoever's inside uh, does ask Nick Cage, can't you read when he starts pounding on the door? <laughs> but he opens the door and this is, I believe, Carruthers. He's like, oh. You look like shit. I don't think I don't think he gets named out loud. Yeah, uh, it, it. I looked up some of these for my notes. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to I, I, I can guarantee they never uh, said the the uh, the character fuck pig's name. I think I can guess which one that one was. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That's fine. Uh, but uh, yeah. Carruthers is uh, just like, you know, what what you doing here? And Red tells him, I've come for the Reaper, which is a pretty solid hunting crossbow. It's got a scope on it. It's, it's very good. It's, it's not like mystical or anything. I don't know why he has named it, but, you know, he has because everything in this movie has a name. He's named it and he has, uh, he has given it to his, his ward for safekeeping mm -hmm. so that... Uh... I, I don't know, so that that the I'm trying to do like a weird fantasy movie thing and it's just not coming together. <laughs> just like like uh like it was just a, an ancient mystical weapon and it's just like we have we have to hide this here. You tertiary character, take it until I need it. But that's not all because uh, Carruthers just goes, "What you gonna do with that thing, hunting?" And I got some other shit you'll need. And that's a verbatim quote, by the way. It's got a set of arrows that'll cut through bone like a fat kid through cake. And you know, Carruthers obviously asks, so what are you hunting that you came out here for the Reaper? Jesus freaks. Bikers and gnarly psycher, psychos and crazy evil. He, he can't really describe them very well, but it gets the message across. Oh yeah, he he knows he kn he he knows where this is going. 
and it lets Carruthers know that, oh, you're going after the Black Skulls. <laughs> uh. So the Black Skulls were a motorcycle gang who acted as couriers for an LSD manufacturer, but they pissed him off at some point, so he made them shit that ruined them ever since. The end. <laughs> yep. Which I I, and, I, yeah. I just interpret that as they're actually demons from hell, and this is like this is this is like the uh uh Buffy the Vampire Slayer would do like, oh the, those guys were on PCP. <laughs> you know, it's just as feasible as anything else. They were they were vampires. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, no, it's just bad, L, bad LSD, really, really bad. And now, uh, one, now one of them is just filled with spikes. Yeah, he he just likes it that way, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I they they they're demons. You know, it's just as much as anything. But um, Carruthers has. Probably my favorite line in the movie here when he just says, Well, your odds aren't that good, and you will probably die. And all Nick Cage can say is, Don't be negative. <laughs> <laughs> but at this point, Cage also uses a forge that's somewhere, and he creates the beast. Did, did I misinterpret? Again, the video quality was struggling. Did I misinterpret that and he, like, poured Mandy's ashes into it? I did not see that, but it would explain a bit. I just, he has a crucible and he pours it into a very stylized axe. Uh, apparently it was based on the logo of a band called Celtic Frost. It's to match the F. Sure. It's, that sounds right. Very spiky. Yeah. It's got it's got a, a big hook on the on the back end of the blade and uh the the handle also ends in another blade. <laughs> yep. And all of these will be used. It's just there for killing as badass as possible. Like I said, this this whole back back end really just feels like a a long metal music video. You just need to supply your own music. And it's introduced with the final title card, which is the word Mandy in a very metal font that just grows to consume itself with intricacy. If you are the kind of person who would wear like a, a metal band T-shirt, this is the ultimate parody version of that. So, you know, look for it. It's on like 7000 bootlegs. But here on out, we're just in action movie territory because Cage is... Parked on the highway, hunting with the crossbow. And he waits, and eventually four ATVs come by, and he just picks off the guy in the back. Doesn't finish him off, because it's just one arrow, but... It is the spike guy. Yep. The, it's, I, I, I kind of think of it as like a, an inverse Iron Maiden. So it's kind of like trying to think is uh, with the others match with other metal band names. And I don't I can't I could come up with anything. So never, never mind. <laughs> no, this this is actually a thing that 
I am unsure about. It's very hard to tell. There are four figures early on. I'm pretty sure there are four of them. Only three of them are named. So it gets kind of weird around here. But this is the first one. This is the one who is just all spikes, all everything down on the ground. And Cage sees this guy on his knees and he just rams him with this car to finish him off. But this causes the car to flip the fuck over and Cage is knocked out. So we get another animated scene in the aftermath. We see the moons of Jupiter, blue seas, Mandy rises from beneath the waves. And then he wakes up chained to a radiator. His, his, her eyes are red. And then it transitions to red waking up. And uh, yeah, he's he got a cuff around one of these pipes and a nail through his hand on the ground. <laughs> sure. Why not? Good, good job taking these guys out. <laughs> you yeah. did it. You did it, Red. But his guard is the wet one. Ugh. <laughs> dripping everywhere. And <laughs> uh, it cuts his shirt really... and just kind of walks away. Sorry, go ahead. There really is no way to describe whichever this one is as other than the wet one. Did there, um, it reminds me of something from something and I am struggling. The, the, it's got like a, a mask that kind of goes over its face down to about like upper lip. Yeah. And the rest of it just looks like a gimp suit. It looks a lot like something I saw from some other piece of media, and I should be able to immediately bring it to mind, but it's not happening. Anyhow, uh, the the wet one just goes at him with a knife, taunts him, and Red plays meek, and he just slowly thrashes at the pain, but he's loosening the pipe around his one wrist, just bashes the head, Knocks him into the pit. Which he is on, by the way. This is the first time yeah, we see the pit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it just comes out of nowhere. It's pretty good. Oh, okay. That's how that ends. And he slowly uses his free hand to pry the nail out of the other. At this point, it becomes a stealth sequence for about a minute as he finds a box cutter and starts creeping upstairs. And, and a heavy vest. Yes. And we discover that this is an old couple's place because they are dead in their bed as he passes by. Mm -hmm. And in the living room, the one who I am very certain is fuck pig is snorting coke and watching porn. Well, it's a powder. It, it's, pro it's probably coke, but it's, it's more like more of a mountain of powder. It's, it's um it, it's not it's not quite the right color as far as i can tell no it's a horrendous gray it doesn't really matter because this guy can take anything yes but yes i i i, I did not have uh i i did not have the uh the name handy so uh in my notes he is bladecock yeah i referred to him as the ogre before checking things he's the one with the spiked arms and uh apparently a knife dick yes just just a like just just right out of the crotch just angled up it's just can't miss it yep and so 
Red Red stab uh, sneaks up on him while he's while he's watching his two shots of pornography that loop over and over. Um, <laughs> sta- uh, sta- uh, stabs him directly in the face, and uh, this doesn't go over very well. And uh, it it's just like the the demon just does like an overhead flip, a, a susato takedown, uh, just right into the uh, the table, and the fight begins. Yep. It's pretty good little action scene, but again, eventually if you have a knife dick and you get it stuck in the ground, you're you're kind of screwed, so yeah, you're done. Cage shanks him and he just begins vomiting blood onto Red. And partway through this torrent, Red just starts screaming through it. Yeah. Oh yeah, he loves it. Yep. Probably probably getting a little bit of residual extra out of that blood. <laughs> oh yeah. Unfortunately, the wet one lived and uh came in with a shotgun, but doesn't manage to use the element of surprise well. Red just gets over and snaps his neck. Uh the, he he does yell at one point, uh, a line which if I had not turned on subtitles, I would not have understood what he said. It was you ripped my shirt! <laughs> my favorite shirt and he start he, he, he this is this is where nicholas cage really just starts making faces and every time he makes even more of a face he just gets more powerful because at this point he sees a shard of glass on the floor scoops up some of the spilled coke with it and just snorts it as a good like quarter cup of that yeah yeah we're not talking a line we're talking a pile we're talking (laughs) end of scarface territory (laughs) he walks around the building finds his crossbow finds his arrows takes a little bit of food and then finds that jar of lsd takes a fingertip and melts Ah, it's a, it's a pretty good sequence. It just it just kind of explodes into images. Yeah, he he Ark of the Covenants melts a bit, becomes cosmically aware and then reforms with the grin that we'll be seeing for a lot of the rest of this film. Maybe maybe he shouldn't have taken that. I don't know. He he just saw it and was just like, sure, I'll try that. He's, he just saw a jug stuck a finger in and licked it. I've, what are you going to do at this point, I guess? I suppose once you've taken the floor coke, what else? <laughs> uh, we, we also saw a radio tower, which will uh, which he will visit later. Yes, there was there was a shot of an eclipse and like various psychedelic shit. Yeah, some of it, some of it is visions that he will need. Some of it is just. Tripping the animation back into consciousness. But he finds the final one of the bikers in a quarry, the metal masked man. And of course, you do the first thing, which is, well, you're not going to confront the guy in metal head on. Yeah. Fires an arrow right through his throat. And this fella just pulls it right through him unfazed. Yeah, he like barely even notices. Yep. He, he kind of pulls it out in a way that suggests, like, I'm just kind of scratching my armpit. 
Yeah. Ugh, bug bit me. Damn. Yeah. He's he's staring at a burning car this whole time. Yeah. And so their duel begins. Uh the metal man has got two knives and Cage is wielding the beast. I th I think he might like one of the things he's wielding might be the arrow. It's possible that would explain two. It, it's also very it was very hard to see anything again. <laughs> yeah, this this whole sequence is just red with some silhouettes and the car in the background burning. So just as he's on his back foot, guy snarls out, she's still burning and laughs as red finishes him off. He hook, hooks, uh, hook, uses that hook from the back end of the axe and just uh, pull. Uh, I guess he just kind of holds him there and then kicks him into the car fire and then chops his head off. It's just a, an orgy of violence for the last 40 minutes or so of this movie. Uh, the last things it gets out before the beheading is it's on the ground, on fire, wounded and just going, she burns. She burns over and over, and that's, you know, you got to cut that off at that point. Of course. What? Yeah, duh. There's no other options. He he then <laughs> picks a half-smoked cigarette butt off the ground and lights it off the head. It's just there. Was was that guy smoking it? Yep. It could be from anyone. Doesn't matter. <laughs> we're already we're already past that. <laughs> We are just consuming everything. That's where we're at. It's a, it's a disco Elysium. Uh, he's, uh, he's cranked his, um, uh, there, what, what, one of them, I, I, I don't remember what it is, but, uh, one, one of his, his, uh, traits is basically like, Hey, you want to do drugs? Yeah. And just uh, the higher that goes, the more times it, it requests you do drugs. It's very good. Electrochemistry. Yeah, that sounds right. Ah, uh, so you you walk you walk out of your room at the start of the game and you see a cigarette and it's just like, oh yeah, you should smoke it. No, no, go buy a pack. No, a a box. <laughs> uh, not gonna pretend I haven't been there. <laughs> just like liquid on 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 the table next to a guy unconscious and electric chemistry is just like like it. I understand that. Disco Elysium is very funny. I'm sorry. Go on. No, no, no. It's just like that. That fits perfectly with him uh, following his vision to the radio tower and a silo underneath. And that's where we meet the chemist. And Lizzie. Yes. Cage just emerges from the darkness in this empty void that the chemist works in. <laughs> and the guy's got a golden uh, PP7. I do not know the specific model of gun. It is a German pistol from the war, but it's golden. I'm I'm just going to assume it's the same gun from the man with the golden gun. I don't know. Yeah, let's go with that. But he decides against lifting it and he turns off the radio and just raises his hands and surrender. Ah, it's cool, man. And both men's attention is drawn to, you know, the, the tiger in the cage between them. <laughs> It's like, okay, yeah, you just you just cook whatever with that around? Okay. <laughs> he, he he takes a lick of the stuff that he was doing, 
And then he he uh, he notes he, he introduces Lizzie the tiger and just says, "When she's calm, I know it's good." Yep. So at this point, uh, a we call back to some of Mandy's dialogue because uh, he refers to Red as a Jovian wanderer sent from the eye of the storm. And then, um, Red is, Red is clearly communicating telepathically with the chemist through this whole bit, but we're only hearing the chemist's responses out loud. He he just kind of stares and the chemist is, uh, is like, yeah, you know what? Damn it. You're right. You're right. This is wrong. And he lets the tiger go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bye, Lizzie. And there's another bit of silence focused on red's face and all the chemists can say is oh man they wronged you why they gotta be like that <laughs> you exude a cosmic darkness can you see that with that being the many millipedes all over the floor yep but he decides uh well you know what sure here the uh the children of the new dawn are <laughs> this way and the tiger goes off to be on an album cover yeah the tiger is now <laughs> animated and kind of leads him there logic has completely abandoned this movie by this point oh yeah we we are in full symbolism territory yeah we, I, I i recall i mentioned uh in the jigoku episode i was like it was like there's all this imagery and i kind of i was and uh, i was complaining about the extremely direct over the top narration i was like i would kind of like this without that i think i've got this now and i don't like that either much so ah <laughs> uh, so sure whatever just bring it on bring it on mandy <laughs> so yeah uh red drives his vehicle through this tunnel that's handmade hand dug by someone and he just comes out in a psychedelic quarry with a wooden church yurt in the center but his vehicle gets stuck and he's on foot now walking past the car graveyard around him that has swallowed other vehicles there was there was one shot I liked when uh once his uh his ATV got stuck on the goop where um sort of uh the top right corner of the uh of the screen is red as him and uh, like the place that he is going towards uh just complete all completely green and just keeps zooming out and the red part just keeps getting smaller and smaller I don't know it's simple but I just liked it no it's a great touch and uh, he. He collapses again somewhere in here, and we get the last full animated bit with Mandy caring for finishing off an alien and digging a green gem out from inside it. It's kind of ambiguous, but he wakes up and the sun is just wrong in the sky above this quarry now. And there's a there's a salamander. Yep. I don't know why there's a salamander. It just takes a moment to go, hey, salamander, watching you. And so he looks up and uh, there is a river before him and across it, only desolation and the sound of a chainsaw. There, there's, uh, there's a shot of a 
a, a leveled forest, and I was thinking, is this the lumber mill he works at? We'll, ne we'll never know. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's his dark beard. He was in a fully wooded area. This is just desolation. Sure. I, I guess I guess it does just keep getting weirder every time he falls unconscious. Yeah. He he's not sobering up. Oh no no oh no that's that's that that uh we we've we've crossed that bridge. Yep. So for a few minutes, uh, Red is just going to be a horror movie slasher. Mm-hmm. He just sets some caltrops to cripple the uh, cult's van. And I do love Brother Swan's reaction as all the tires pop, which is just, this is really not ideal. <laughs> Swan is very strange because he's like extremely understated. Uh, like the whole performance is just kind of pretty mundane usually. And then he just says says or agrees to just the wildest shit in exactly the same tone as usual. Yeah. He's like the executive assistant to Satan. Yeah. And uh, Red Red's pretty quick at finishing him off, but he gets in some jabs as he goes. He, he beats the living shit out of him. Yeah. She burned brightly, Mandy. Don't you think? And uh, he, he goes to just really get the cliche in. Oh, better to burn out than... F and he, you know, sucks Reaper down the throat. Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Red, Red decided, let's, let's find out what the Axe thinks about this. And the Axe thinks it's time to shut up. Mm-hmm. And so the, the spear end of the Axe just straight in his mouth and it just just keeps going is one of the more unpleasant things in the movie i think oh yeah so did, did we they 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 really really um like the the sound effects in that it particular shot are just ugh. pass it is not a way I would like to go. Let's put it that way. So the the next sequence, pretty quick. He he lets Sister Lucy go. He just looks her over and does not threaten her, does not say a word, does not move a hand towards her. And she she looks at him and she sheds one tear, which happens a lot in this movie. We haven't brought it up, but like, he, uh, nobody cries really. They, uh, there, there was, there was the emotional scene earlier, but like he, he wasn't like crying, like tears coming out. It's just always just one single dramatic tear. Yeah. And 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 he 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 sees that and he's like, oh, you are a kindred spirit, and lets her go. Yep. <laughs> the the next brother does not even get anything out of this the guy's washing his car takes an axe to the head not not important enough nope but you know he did wash a car so we'll have to use it at some point it's a very nice car yeah i would like to drive that car no kidding and finally we come to the last heavy i do not know 
which one of them he is, uh, I'm going to presume. Uh, on the Amazon X-ray thing, uh, he did not have a headshot, so I could not identify him in the cast list. Yeah, there's three gentlemen who are not Brother Swan, who just have the name Brother something, and I can't tell them apart. I believe Brother Hanker was the one washing the car. Yeah, this is probably Brother Lewis. But this turns into a chainsaw duel. Yes, there's there's a chainsaw. (laughs) And Red knows how to use a chainsaw, but... uh... Oh, yeah. This other guy has a three-foot chainsaw. <laughs> okay, you know, I, I I do think a lot of the times uh, when people see, like, a long cylindrical thing or a long skinny thing and go, oh, that's just, they just made it a dick. Like, I think a lot of the time that's just, like, weird, lazy uh, criticism. This this was pretty blatant. They They... The, the 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 chainsaw represented his much much larger dick. They're never really held any lower than a forty five degree angle. So yeah, <laughs> this is a pretty quick sequence. They don't drag it out, but it's you know chainsaws going out and defending against it, trying to restart it. Finally. Red ends up winning by taking one of the chains off a nearby tree after disarming his opponent and just dragging him onto his own extended running chainsaw. Well, you're you're underselling this chain action, which is that he threw it and it wrapped neatly around his neck. It was a perfect throw. And then he pulled him onto the chainsaw. These are all his tools as a lumberjack. He would be experienced. Right onto Red's tiny but better cock. (laughs) And so we make it to the cathedral. Again, just a large wooden structure, tall cross in it in the wood panels above. And we descend into the pit beneath the church. Seemed like it was a... like a a nuclear shelter or like the path towards one. At least it, it was that aesthetic. I don't know if it was supposed to actually be that. Yeah, I actually don't know what's going on beneath this because we see there's just like metal veins in the wall, but then the first chamber has a lava lamp and like sort of a <laughs> a Hawaiian postcard. It is a lamp shaped like a lava lamp. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> which is which I think is very funny. It it's just the aesthetic in here is unlike anything else in the room. Because again, it looks like there's just a postcard painted on the wall of palm trees <laughs> and a beach. Yeah. And it's just it's where the where uh, Marlena hangs out. Or Marlene, whichever. I don't know. Yeah. Nobody knows. No. I I've, I've instilled doubt into your mind, so nobody knows anymore. Well, here's the thing. I have down that Sister Lucy, he does call her Lucia at one point. So I don't know if Jeremiah just adds an uh sound to every woman's name. Maybe. Like, I, I've, 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 see, I've seen people or, or maybe just characters, but like actually named Marlena. So 
Oh yeah, it's just weird because you comment on that. I know it's Lucy, Lucia, Marlene, Marlena, whatever. Maybe it's just some weird cult shit. I also didn't notice the Lucia thing, so yeah, who knows? <laughs> there's there's a lot here. There's a lot of this. There's a lot of details in Mandy. Oh yeah, like the fact that uh, Marlene here is the most sensual lover. Because she anticipates her lover's every move. Because of my sensitivity and my empathy, which is a funny line, considering. Mm-hmm. And Red has not spoken uh, since coming to this valley. He's, he's basically just done one scream in the chainsaw fight, and that's it. And he is dead silent in this scene. And the room goes dark. And we just progress further into that pit in the darkness that Jeremiah is, as he said, screaming in. And boy, I cannot see sh- I could not see shit in this whole scene. <laughs> it is constantly the the full uh, picture is just constantly pulsing in and out, and it just couldn't keep up. Yeah. But uh, we get a little bit of light as uh, Marlene's head is thrown in at Jeremiah's feet and he just squeals and backs up against the wall. <laughs> but it's OK. He can't he, he can't be harmed because of God. Yep. Yeah, this this is the pit where God spoke to him and he clearly had his break with reality and. Red enters from one of these tunnels and the room just grows darker and darker as he does. Like, like, like if, if, if this guy is not actually summoning actual demons, I don't know how he managed to, to, uh, to do all this (laughs) because he is so lame when, uh, when push comes to shove. Yeah. It's, you know, there are cosmic forces at work here. Uh, as everyone will keep telling Red for this back chunk of the movie, there is a cosmic darkness exuded from him. And this sequence is something because Red is very quiet for most of it, and Jeremiah is just running his mouth in a manic torrent, trying to get his bearings again while he is being held down by red on his knees and he starts pleading at first and so you what do you want i'll I'll suck your dick i'll just come on and then suddenly it just switches into this rage and he's on his own knees telling red that he should be kneeling instead and how dare you but red just interrupts him with this reverb soaked voice I'm your god now. And uh, the the bef- before he went to uh, the psychotic drowns where the mystic swims, you're drowning, I'm swimming, which is a very good line. Ooh, yes. And amidst all of Jeremiah's pleading and raging, he just pulps his head and red cosmically comes with this you know he's expelled the darkness that's it all over this crushed skull it's it's pretty blatant yep 
he 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 makes the noise when Jeremiah pops. So, yep, you know, cool. <laughs> Thank you, Nicholas. Yeah, you think that was in the script? I think it absolutely was. Okay. I feel like that's not an ad lib he would have done with the effects. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, he just lights the man ablaze and the fire follows Red out, hell consuming the tunnels and the chapel behind him as he slowly retraces his steps. And he, the fire is behind him and he's walking towards the camera and it's all cool and badass. We do get a great shot of this all wooden church collapsing in on itself, the roof just crumbling down into it. So shooting in a quarry does mean you can do stunts like this with actual <laughs> physical props, and it's pretty cool. Without potentially burning down a neighborhood. Yeah. But was was it worth it in the end? Was it really worth it? You get to ask yourself that because we are just out of dialogue for the rest of this as he walks back to the sole remaining car, the brother's sedan, and he looks over and there's just this lovely music and we see a flashback to the first time Red met Mandy so long ago. and. They're just in a club looking at each other as this music is playing, and we just cut back and forth, and it's a younger Red, a living Mandy, and he's driving, and she's in the passenger seat, and it's so pleasant. And then... some Sometimes she's in the passenger seat. It kind of comes and goes. Yeah, we're flipping back and forth here, but then it we seems flip... Like it seems at least at some parts that she's a ghost and she's pretty cool with what he just did. It was pretty metal. Yeah. But the last shot is just the music cuts off and he's been looking over at her and it's a peaceful, but then we cut over and it's, he's no longer young red. He is covered in blood, manic glee red just staring at the passenger seat as the world goes by behind the car's window <laughs> oh. and he drives off into the animation underneath the moons underneath the stars two, two moons twisting crags it's all it, everything's badass now Def definitely didn't uh didn't die of uh alcohol poisoning in that bathroom and for a movie that has such a distinct score uh the credits are silent which is wild because uh this was the last or second to last film johan johansson worked on and the movie is dedicated to him and uh then after the credits there's just this one last shot of some of Mandy's sketches. It's just Red and the Tiger. And that's it. That was Mandy. That that sure was Mandy. <laughs> uh I don't I don't know what I think about this movie. It is I, I feel I, I, I think the unfortunately doing it like this 
to taking taking a billion notes uh was not was not the proper way but i also don't uh possess the substances to watch this movie the proper way so having done so because some of them are legal in my state it definitely helps they are absolutely not legal in mine <laughs> well yes can definitely say worth a rewatch with that aid all right all right yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It just kind of it, it's a lot. It's so much. I I I I understand why you hyped this up so much. Is just every every last little frame of this is just as as extra as possible. It turns out when you make a film about psychedelia and classic sci-fi and retro aesthetics and drench it in prog rock and extreme noise and a score that is oppressive and dwells in those little dark places it's pretty much a movie made for me okay i i generally like movies that have a plot yeah story i i i lean more towards storyline than uh than the uh the i guess the art of filmmaking which is unfair but that's just how my brain works no it's fair i mean this is the thing we we have this exact dynamic because you look in the places i would not that i would poo poo and you've shown me some real fun stuff during this because of it yeah, and uh, it's it's been it's been an adventure. Um, yeah, it's, it's sorry sorry for kind of just uh just dr dropping this uh dropping the ending, uh, such a surprise. Let okay, let's just say if I had known before uh if if I had known before I picked the rage carry two that I actually we actually need to just bring this to a close, I would not have picked the rage carry two. <laughs> <laughs> I, pro I probably would have gone with uh, Death Becomes Her. Ooh, I love it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I I I'm glad I'm glad we did this. I thank you to anybody who listened through the whole thing. I hope you enjoyed. And uh, yeah, I, I I don't really have anything else unless you want to like go over the movies that we watched. Do a, a recap or something. Let me pull up a list because yeah we I, I we we both picked one enduring classic and one utter garbage stinker and uh, <laughs> I feel I feel like the rest was a pretty pretty uh, interesting little uh, fun mix of movies yeah so just let's just go back over them we had your pick Saw Four <laughs> my yes my pick Jigoku. <laughs> Uh, your pick, The Prey. My pick, mm. Only Lovers Left Alive. I am sorry about The Prey. I am sorry about Only Lovers Left Alive. Wait, why? Because I know it. It was. Uh, it was not your lane. It, it was. It was. It was a good movie in a genre that I'm not typically fond of. Yeah, that's again. I know it was not your favorite. <laughs> I don't think you thought it was terrible, but I'm still going to give you that apology. Uh, then we had The Wicker Man 73, the original. Uh, the Color Out of Space, the recent Nick Cage adaptation. 
There was The Descent, and then Evil Speak. <laughs> then there was The Problem Era, where we had The <laughs> Babadook and Hellraiser Judgment. I would like an apology for Hellraiser Judgment. I will absolutely give you an apology for Hellraiser Judgment. <laughs> that was unfair to do to anyone, especially not someone who had been warned beforehand. And finally, our last duet of The Rage Carry 2 and Mandy. Two movies about ladies. Two extremely angry movies. Yes. But we will see you again in some form, in some time, in some shade outside of the stars. I, I don't I don't have any I don't have a flowery uh, sign off. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it. And with that, adieu. <laughs>